This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. It's Friday. Which only means one thing. Off the rails with Doug Dougie. McLean. Dougie McLean. And not only that, <laughs> off the rails Friday with Gord Stellick in for Justin Bourne, who has uh, got a real special family day planned for him. Nice. So he's out enjoying that. And we are here holding the fort. Thanks for coming in. Hey, love it. Always a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Like I said, it's going to be a, a fun uh, show for the next couple hours. Derek Brandale, Jen Rolnick, uh, Sammy uh, McKee on board, of course. And as I mentioned, in about uh, 45 minutes, uh, Doug McLean. I love listening to you when I'm on. Uh, <laughs> he really said that. And he, he, and he means it. So you remember the hot, well, you did Hockey Central with him for so many years. Yes. And I, I would be on, I sort of was your guys fill in off days, but the odd time, like Doug would be carrying on. Well, you were you were a champ too. Like you were like me on radio when I used to endorse about six things. So you'd have your Le- who had the Lexus dealer, uh, Doug. Doug, you had your water, and then he had uh, Mercedes uh, in uh, Burlington. I think. Yeah, but you had your water. I had GP8 water, and you had your protein or your um, your pills kind of thing. Your protein things, yeah, your I vitamins. Did. But Doug would conduct. But Doug would be selling condos in PEI during the show. Like you could tell when he all of a sudden got something. If someone put an offer on one, remember they weren't, remember they weren't selling. Yeah. So well. Yeah. <laughs> he was just. He was just. Oh my goodness. That's right. Fun yeah. fun time. So um, just hold on to your hat uh, in about forty five minutes. I'll be minutes. ready. I, I yeah. mean, if once I ask him a question, we could actually go down, get a coffee at <laughs> Timmy's, and come back and not feel like yes. we missed a thing. Yes. I know the drill. Also, uh, before and after, we got uh, Jason York in about 20 minutes, and we'll catch up with him. Always fantastic uh, to hear from him. And there's a special treat. We got uh, Mike Gartner, Hall of Famer, one of the one of the greatest goal scorers uh, in our game, but also one of the best skaters in our game. Yes. and uh, Everybody I, skates now, but not a lot of people skated 30 years no. ago. Mike Gartner did. No. And uh, I know he's a big fan of uh, Willie Nylander. Mm-hmm. So I want to get his thoughts. I'll get, I'm going to get him to critique a little bit on Willie Nylander and, and and what we see every time he steps on the ice because, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that, uh, you know, they're the same per se when it comes to like breakaway speed or anything like that. But, uh, you know, as far as watching an effortless kind of skate, mm-hmm. very comparable, don't you think? Yeah, I do. That's a that's a good comparable. I mean, and now our, our son Justin was pissed that he's not going to the All Star game and play some Matthews. Barkov is <laughs> like it was. No, first thing he said. So that just that's the yes. that's the that's the neat Pete about Nylander Now it's not about oh my goodness his ebbs and flows and he slumped. No, like you're you're ticked that he's not getting the props like Matthews Martyr and company normally. When he's get. gone. He's gone. Right. Which leads us to uh, the headline today. Wow, Gord. And that is that the Toronto Maple Leafs today announced that Austin Matthews will be out a minimum of three weeks with a sprained knee suffered against the New York Rangers. So uh, they're pretty clear on this. Uh, There's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there already saying, hold on, what's going on? Does he not want to go to the All-Star game? Oh, this is pushing it. (laughs) He missed three weeks. Is is he nursing an injury that happened before that? But this this is pretty clear that this... Whatever happened uh, was during the New York Ranger game, 
Never left the game. No, that's, um, yeah. When did it happen? How did it happen? I, I don't think we we know, and I've mm-hmm. not I've not gone back to watch any part of the game Wednesday yeah. night. Nothing to stood see out, if, though. If anybody else has on social media, but whatever the case is, it's it, it clearly was something that uh, progressed to the point where maybe after the game or 24 hours, and we've been around the game a long time to know that something can feel a certain way mm-hmm. uh, during a game, immediately after the game, and then 24 hours, the swelling kicks up, and the next thing you know, uh, uh, you got some serious issues. That, to me, is what it appears to be. Yeah, you could have the swelling go down or the swelling go up. 24 hours, you, you know, you always hope for the first one getting better. It was interesting that Jamal Mayers just had that, talked about that stat about Austin being second in the league in block shots. Yes. He just talked about it on Wednesday's game. But, you know, Tom Wilson took one for the Washington Capitals earlier after coming back from his knee injury, but this evidently wasn't a block shot. And to your point about, okay, has something been bugging Austin before and, you know, maybe it just got tweaked a bit more, there, you know, because he's, he's missed a day or so along the way. But I think what a lot of people thought, okay, again, these conspiracies, it's about a shooting. He wasn't shooting earlier yeah. as much, you know, so it was hand, wrist, shoulder, upper body, if it were anything. So in this case, yeah, well, well part of the game. It, it, are we at the point now where we've stopped with the upper and lower body injuries? And, like, this is pretty clear. I mean, they, I, yeah. I, it's not like they're not dumb enough to tell you it's a sprained knee injury, and it's not. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that can come back and haunt you in the worst ways. So maybe maybe the Leafs have uh, gone beyond that uh, that well, uh, upper and lower body stuff. Well, Pat Quinn's the one that started it as Leaf coach. He started it like 30 years ago about. And, uh, and now with the gaming situation, you know, there should be more clarity about injuries. There should be more clarity earlier on about starting goaltenders since there's, you know, partnerships and that that's going on in that regard. But... Now, you ever have a sprained knee? I knew you had a knee issue, Yeah, right? I, everything. I've, I've blown it out. Uh, so you had surgery. Meniscus, ACL, okay. everything. Sprained, yes. So the high ankle sprain, which just isn't, that can be good news, but quite often it's worse. It's as bad as a break, correct? Many, many say it's worse. Okay. A, oh. a bad high ankle sprain, uh, most often people say you're better off just with a, a clean break at four okay. to six weeks. So what do they say regarding knee? A knee sprain. I mean, who is a, I th- a knee sprain I, I think if if you give it ample time, it, it could get to the point where it's completely gone and you're fine again. Mm-hmm. But if it's one of those things that uh, that you play at 80 or 90% and you don't allow it to get to the, the 100% mark, it can linger. It can bother you. It could be something that you're going to have to manage the rest of the season. Do you think that the Leafs looked at uh, the fact that, okay, I'm missing some pretty important games here with uh, Ottawa, Washington, and Boston coming up, but we have that break. And if mm-hmm. he gets two and a half, three weeks, he only missed the three games and, and, and we're fine. And you look at the schedule. Sorry. Hey, boys. How are you? Hey, Sam. Sammy McKee, look, ladies you, and gentlemen. If you look at the schedule coming out of the break, I wouldn't exactly uh, describe it as a murderer's row, fellas. They play the back-to-back home-and-home with the Blue Jackets on the Friday-Saturday. Then they play the Blackhawks at home, and then they play the Habs, and then the Blackhawks again. So they're not... I think if you kind of look at that... So that would be basically three and a half weeks till the end of that point. 
and the 21st against the Sabres would be, you know, that would be a point maybe where you would look to return. I think if you're looking at the schedule, if there's any time to get them right, this seems like the perfect opportunity for the Leafs to get them right. By the way, Sammy thought I had a uh, knee sprain when I tried to get out of the chair after Leafs Nation postgame. You know, some <laughs> nights, yeah. I just say, no, no, Sammy, you're just getting up there in age. Don't worry. It's, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I had to put you on LTIR yeah. Bordeaux after watching you get up out of the chair. So, Kippy, you think, that, uh, okay, the, the, the conniving that, okay, this has been around. Maybe it's a little worse than normal, and here is the time to let's get that break he's needed and let's just let's just – say it out there like whatever, but really it's something we could have done earlier or could do later. What do you think? You know what? I, I, I'm, we'll, we'll address that. Let's go to Sheldon Keefe right now and just get his thoughts on, uh, um, on an update on Austin Matthews and uh, maybe playing with injuries, and then we'll pick it up from there, Gord. Yeah, I just really, I'm not, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not, not certain what specifically, you know, whether there was one specific incident or anything like that. I noticed him in a little discomfort a couple times through the game, but didn't didn't think much of it at the time, but he, you know, was still sore the next day. So they brought him for an MRI, and uh, there's an injury there. So take some time. Notice it during the game. It's interesting. He was asking him about it. And he said he probably said he's fine. Probably lied to him multiple times, saying Clearly, he's fine. And he keeps going. Tweaked it somewhere, and you kind of shake it off. And uh, I don't, I don't think he. It wasn't to the point, obviously, where he didn't leave. So thought maybe it could. Loosen up. Yeah. So, yeah. So now you look at Matthew's history. It feels like he misses a chunk every season with a different thing, right? You know well, he, he played every game his rookie yeah. season. Yeah. I and then this, it was the second season he had three different injuries, didn't he? Yeah, I thought, well, there was one. I remember the shoulder injury when he got smoked by Truba on the Jets. Yeah. I remember him having the wrist issue. I remember a back thing and now the knee. So those are the ones that I remember clearly. So... A lot of different things that have ailed Austin Matthews. Guy takes a lot of, a lot of abuse, a lot of beatings. Yeah, but okay. So was this uh, part of a beating? Was it him stopping up? Was mm-hmm. it him uh, trying to elude a check in the offensive or defensive zone while he had the puck, or was this someone running him? The latter. I didn't mean a beating, right? but some was this a cheap shot? Was this a physical play? I mean, I again, th- then it would jump to memory, right? You go, ooh, that kind of. That kind of hit Matthews you know, took, or Gord, the problem is because it's the Leafs and they don't have that type of lineup. They take a lot of those, and you get used to them, you know. And they 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 aren't as noticeable mm-hmm. because you just assume that. And we saw it again with Keandre Miller just burying Lilligren, and it's like we've had four different conversations over the course of the season on. Okay, when does somebody step up? And and then we saw it a little bit two weeks ago, and we all got excited, and then it kind of fell off again the last few games. But you, you almost get tired of talking about it, to be honest with you. So when you say, okay, you're talking about Giordano and when he stepped up, and Bunting's always been a guy to stick his nose into things, and, yeah. and you know, just that. But that's a minimal, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the, the constant guys taking healthy runs at the Leafs, are we all not used to it by now? Again, it goes back. It's it's so interesting that Brendan Shanahan played hockey and played hockey on teams that incorporate what we're talking about, what you're talking about, and then uh, they've really gone all in about the whole skill thing. And the guy that was the best that they need and they miss is Nazem Kadri, but it's certainly understandable, understandable why he's gone. This isn't crying over spilled milk, but just something about part of part of why he got went overboard is because he got pissed off about something. 
you know, and uh, he overreacted. But you're, you're, we need, you know, it's like uh, I was talking about thing like even a Joe Thornton in his day, about three times a year he'd take off. You know, you'd all of a sudden nice, all of a sudden three times a year he'd be set off, and you, you almost need that from everybody that can to some degree. But then you need the other but, part. But we like, are we are married to the fact that that's not like Austin. You can't set this guy off. He will just step out of any scenario or, you know, I mean, we saw him slew foot, uh, I don't know which player, Sammy. No, but I'm okay with that, right? right? But, oh, the, the, but that's the trip on, was it Nick Cousins that he did that yes. to in Florida? Yeah. So that, that's, that's the gist of him setting off. Well, he's a hard trophy winner. Like, I'm okay. Like, you're a hard trophy winner, you're a hard trophy winner. I just mean it's some others about... And you see Nick Foligno in an appropriate role now, not a front, do, let, among those with, collectively with the Boston Ruins, that it factor they've always had and the Leafs haven't. that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Okay, do we have uh, Sheldon on injuries? Yeah, I'm playing with him. I think if there's anything we've learned about our team this season, it's we've been resilient no matter who's been in or out uh, for the most part, other than missing Austin for a couple of games. We've... It's been the defense that's been been beat up a lot, and I'm not sure where we're at in the league and man games lost, but it's got to be significant um, in terms of where we're at within the league, and it it hasn't bothered our team. It seems we just keep playing. Obviously, you're a different team. Um, I don't think you have to play differently uh, other than just, more opportunity for other people and expect them to step up and do their job and everything that gives us success when Austin is in uh, has to continue and you got to find a way to get that extra goal. Um, you know, that's really, really what the focus is. But in, in my time here, whether it's Austin or anybody else out, they really don't talk about it. You just prepare as you do any other game. Don't talk to it. And, the perception out there that it doesn't bother them. So is he just, uh, have they been kind of lucky at this point? Does it catch up to them eventually? Or will we really find out against still an Ottawa team that seems to be buried in the standings but can be very dangerous when it comes to putting the puck in the net, the Washington Capitals and the Boston Bruins? Are we really going to find out if it bothers them or not? Okay, but Kip, I, I thought, Kippy, if you had to say what would be catastrophic, it'd be Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, um, Jake Muzzin, and whatever, the Jake Muzzin at the start of the year, all out of the lineup. And to what Sheldon's saying, they weathered that storm. I mean, that was the one with all those D, with all those D out. And I thought, you know what, you lose four games in a row, and, and Kyle Dubas is saying uncle and maybe making a trade that he really does. Not, not, a, not a horrible trade, but just something to get, just to get a body. And I, and I give them credit how they weathered that storm. So... Hey, Boston started the season without Marchand and with Charlie, without Charlie McAvoy. And this is, this is kind of okay, like well, that, that kind of player, Sammy. And to look, you know, he's kind of right. The stats bear out. I mean, I put it in the lineup here, but with, you know, with Austin Matthews in the lineup, they have a 635 uh, points percentage. And without him, they have a 653 point percentage. They're yeah. 31, 16, and 2 without him. Stevie Fellin always sends that stat. Well, they, it, it, it makes no sense. Their power play <laughs> is 4% better without him. In those, in those okay. however many games they've played. So they've all just trade them then right yeah, now. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely agree, Kipper. That's a great point by you. And I'm just saying that, like, yeah. they have found a way. Uh, Sheldon's right. They've found okay, a way to play well without him. 
I think it's also safe to say that uh, whatever your perception of, you know, Austin and peaks and valleys, this has been one strange year for him and one that we did not expect in terms of on a, on a lot of nights, not as noticeable as we would expect him to be when we think of other superstars in the league, most notably Connor McDavid. Like, it has been a strange year for this guy. But, the okay, so last year, Connor McDavid is going to win all the trophies pretty well every year except when things are a little bit off like it was for him last year and mostly for the Oilers last year. So good on Austin Matthews that he wins the uh, Rocket Richard, the Hart, and the Ted Lindsay. And then a lot of people say, let's go for 70 goals. Well, you know, 60 scored once every 10 years, although Connor McDavid may do it again now. So, yeah, again, I, 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 it's like the bar is so high that for him. Is. That, and, then, and then when he gets goals, they were tip-in goals. And, you know, and I still love the two-way game he plays. I still, you know, he's always going to be a Hart Trophy candidate. But, you know, given last year that everything went in, just everything, and he's really had picked it up. He just had a slow start. We're kind of, you know, a slow start. He had a, I remember he had a few that looked like easy going in and hit the post or whatever, things that wouldn't happen last year. So I, I uh, we, st- we love hockey here so much, and we have this show, or you have this show with Justin, that people dissect it all, which is the, which is the wonderful thing. They're not doing it in Nashville and Arizona and Florida and places like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what people expect of Austin Matthews, but I think if you call it a strange year, I think that's, that's not a bad term. It doesn't mean bad. It just means kind of different compared to last year. Well, yeah, we, we didn't see uh, we didn't see the the goals as as many of the goals, mm-hmm. and we didn't see as many games that he's physically dominated. But uh, with that, maybe comes the rise of a Willie Nylander in in the process. Yeah. Yeah, and and, uh, and and part of what I like with Austin is when... And Tavares, too, has been better. Oh, yeah. and But also, you know, when Austin, when he has the puck like a lacrosse ball, that's the best, you know, just like... And, and you know, maybe, again, we're getting pickier, but maybe heavens, because when he kind of gets that presence, he's got the puck, and no one's good. kind of like Patrick Kane, right? No one's going to get off him and, and that, and have we been seeing that a, a little bit less? I don't know, maybe. And it's just funny the other night, switching up the lines to get them going, and actually got Nylander and Tavares going. You know, Marner's streak ended with with Austin in in that particular game. So, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's I, I find it a little picky, but I do find considering the season he had last year, probably there was no way to go but a little bit down. So, well, oh, so you know, in that clip where uh, he mentioned the man games loss and he didn't know where they ranked in the in the NHL. Do you think? Do you know where they rank? Either of you guys? I I don't think they'd be at the very top, but I. Probably would have them top ten. They're fifth in the league in man games lost. Okay, so fifth in in the in the bad one. Most yeah. man games yeah, they've lost. lost. They've uh, yeah. two hundred and seventy nine games lost to il- injury and illness. The worst. The uh, Flyers. The no, Flyers are the third. Washington number one. See, and that's the example. And and to me, there's the example of the team that's battled in like Washington Capitals. Just when people question, and and that's what you want to get. You know, within the Leafs, in which they show with all those defensemen injured, the ability to. In Washington's case, stay in the playoff race. Right now, in, in the Maple Leafs case, you know, try to battle for home ice advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, so it's Columbus, Philly, and Montreal are the other three. But those teams and uh, Colorado? They're not, I just have the top five here. So yeah, And it was the, uh, the Leafs are in there. So I just wanted to mention that since he brought it up in his uh, scrum. Okay, no Austin Matthews, which means opportunities for others, including 
Pontus. Let's go to Sheldon Keefe on this move. Uh, he's, just, he's a guy that obviously has shown well since he's been here with us, uh, both offensively and defensively. You know, he's a guy that uh, has shown that he could play in the league and help us. So there's an opportunity there now. We do have some other options, uh, other options that we've used in the past. But uh, this is one we haven't necessarily, say for, you know, shifts here or there. But, you know, I think it's a good opportunity for him to, to just jump into that and see, see what he can do, and, and obviously we'll monitor it. Okay, whoever saw Yarn Kroc Holmberg being two-thirds of your second line at any point during the NHL season for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, Yarnko, because they signed him, you thought, okay, maybe he'll try him different lines. I never thought there'd be a Leaf named Pontus. This never did. <laughs> and uh, and this guy's been a real re- revelation. He played really well. So, yeah, they get a chance. And, of course, Willie Nylander, who we'll talk about, is going to be going to be on the line with him. So uh, that's, you know, how can how, – so Holmberg, Yarncroft, yeah, uh, being on the Leaf second line. Off the top, that means um, not beating Tampa Bay in the first round. But that doesn't have to be the case. And I'm I am a big Pontus fan. Yeah. I think that uh, uh, from the from the first uh, exhibition game that I saw him, uh, of course he got sent down. He didn't make it through training camp, but he, there was a guy that that presented just a little heavier, a mm-hmm. bigger, a little smarter than uh, I think others, including Aston Reese and Hunt and. You know those type of players on on the bottom six. The the presence that he has is is much greater than I think we've we've seen from others. And what I like, Kippy, is you know you can't always have guys come up and just be fourth liners, right? And you know you think of when Zach Hyman came in with Andreas Johnson and Kasperi Kapanen and and Connor Brown, right? All at once from the Toronto Marlies in the span of two years, and you know played different roles and could play up. And in in Holmberg's case, he's been able to do that. So that that's an added bonus because you know you can't all be fourth liners. Okay, let's go to our first guest who might just uh, one up Doug McLean on taking it off the rails. Uh, Jason York, <laughs> co-host of the, of the Coming in Hot Sense podcast. Yorkie, what's going on, buddy? Kipper, good to hear from you, buddy. I'm I'm, I'm actually in Florida right now. I'm at my, one of my good buddy Paula Bro's house. We're uh, Having a cold beer here, getting ready to watch the hockey later tonight. Um, so, no, you know what? I, uh, thank you for the compliment, but it's can anybody one-up Doug McLean? No. Can anybody get a word in when Doug McLean's around? Um, he, he, was, he was my first general manager when I was in the minors and Adirondack fellows. And, uh, wow. Yeah, back with the Adirondack Red Wings, Barry Melrose coached that team. That was Barry's uh, gateway to Los Angeles. We won the championship down there, Gordon. And uh, but Doug was around all the time, with you know lots to say all the time. Yeah, I don't doubt that for a second. Oh, I know. And Barry was a guy when I did that show Rinkside. He'd be one of the guys I'd call in the Adirondack dressing room to get the skinny. And he said to me once, he goes. I'm watching. I go, Gordy Stelak. I don't think he says one AHL game live. Why couldn't I? Whatever. Anyway, so he was one of my uh, my tipsters way way back when. What? So, you know, just first of all, with uh, Doug McLean aside, and that the the Ottawa Senators. Okay, it's always uh, it's always a funny animal that. Okay, you look at Winnipeg last year. Whatever, it went off the rails, and they said, okay, we believe in what we have. Even a few years ago, John Cooper did that with Tampa Bay, right? Just said, okay, this regular season. Yep. We don't have to do any heavy lifting. The New York Islanders, for example, might be revisiting that philosophy this year. 
Ottawa, like, are the pieces there? You like the pieces. I know there's injuries, kind of said it's going in the right direction. You feel that way or not? I like this team two years from now, Gord. I think this team is two years away from being a really good hockey team. And the reason I say that, you look at them down the middle right now, guys. Tim Stutzler's just turned 21 years old. You got Shane Pinto, who's a young guy as well. Norris, he's hurt again. He He's not that old either. He's another young center iceman. Uh, and now they have Greg in there as well, who, who played really well the other night. So for me, you, you build down the middle. And, and two years from now, if I'm forecasting the Ottawa Senators, they just need a little more time, a little more experience, some more reps. And they're getting it right now. Like Tim Stutzler, for me, has, has, has been, uh, he's taken a huge step in his game. And I think he's got the goods to be uh, a franchise-type player in a couple of years in this league. Uh, as far as the back end, um, Yorkie, and I'm watching a segment with some insiders uh, the other day, and they're like, yeah, Pierre Dorian's still looking for a, a top D man. And I'm like... Yeah, you know what? I'm also looking for my retainer. I lost in grade seven, but you know, and but it's a little late, don't you think? So everybody was excited in the summertime. They they coined it the summer of Pierre in Ottawa. The shopping list was great, but they forgot to bring in the main course. He forgot. It's like having a barbecue without the steak. You can't win in this league without defense. And everybody says, "Well, you can't get a defenseman. You can't find a defenseman." Well. New Jersey founder, sorry, uh, yeah, New Jersey. Look at what John Marino's done over there. Look at what some of these teams have done. You can't, Kipper, you're exactly right. We all know this. And Gord, you're a GM in the league. You can't wait until the season starts to try and bring in a, a, a top four defenseman because guess what? There's about 20 other teams that are trying to do the same thing. So those moves in the summer for me, guys, those were flashy moves to get the fan base excited to try and get the season tickets up again and to try and make this team a little more attractive to sell. And I, I think they accomplished that. Like, Debrinkit got everybody excited. Claude Giroux got everybody excited. But signing a top-four defenseman in the summer, nobody really – it's the right thing to do, but it's not the most exciting thing to do. So they didn't do it. Um, it's too late now. This team is not going to be a playoff team this year, but they're going to be a really good team in two years. So everyone's excited, uh, all particularly in Canada, about trade deadline, right? That talk's going to go, go and go and go. So, I mean, Ottawa, right? The, so a John Klingberg's not a guy, a hired gun. They're not. They're they're out of it, right? So they don't do that. Do they have much to sell? How, what, how would you characterize them around the trade deadline? I think they got a couple pieces that well, they're not going to fetch you much in return. Like you could probably. Like a guy like Holden, Nick Holden, for example, he's got some experience with Vegas. He's had a nice, a couple nice runs. He's an older guy. I think he could maybe get you a late round pick. Um, every here's here's the thing. And Kipper, Kipper, you and I talked about this last time I was on. If you want to get something in this league, and I'm telling you guys what you already know, you got to give something that somebody else wants. And if they really want to go big game hunting and bring in a defenseman that's going to help them two years from now. And now you're going to have to trade Alex to bring it. That's, that's the guy you're going to have to trade. Um, and maybe that trade is better off done at the draft this summer when maybe you get some more people uh, at the table, but a lot of people, especially fans want him signed because of the 40 goal score. I just, I don't see the fit for him in Ottawa. Um, he's going to want to get paid. He's going to want his, 
his qualifying offer at $9 million. I, I just think it makes absolutely no sense to bring him in, make a $9 million a year on a long-term uh, contract. If he's going to sign for a lot less, absolutely. But Kipper, okay. is Alex Dabrinkit going to sign for less money to stay in Ottawa? Well, the question is, can he go UFA and get nine anywhere else? And I don't think so, Yorkie. Yeah. So particularly, particularly forwards, yeah. right? So and and you're watching you're watching uh, Huberto, uh, who had a career year and, and was phenomenal in Florida, come back down to earth. And I, I think people thinking that DeBrinkett's going to get paid eight or nine million would scare a lot of people off. So uh, is is there a seven? Seven five over a long term deal uh, in the cards for Ottawa. I think that would be more realistic. Yeah, I think so too. I I, I, I think at that number, it's doable. The cap's going up. There's going to be space. Um, the other thing too is, um, I always find with with players, especially goal scorers, if you're going to score forty goals, you got to be on that power play for a minute and a half. You got to be out there. You got to be. <laughs> You're not, you're not, you're not having a power play one A and a one B. And when I look at who Ottawa is committed to right now, as far as their top players are, you got Tim Stutzla, you got Brady Kachuk, you got Drake Batherson on a very cap friendly four and a half million dollars, and you got Josh Norris, who's also signed for seven and a half million. You got Thomas Shabbat. So, is is he really going to get forty goals if he's having to? share power play time with those other guys. I, I, I know it's, you can't score goals in this league unless you do that. And I just, you sure he's a 40 goal scorer, but I don't see him as a 40 goal scorer for the Ottawa senators down the road because there's just too many other forwards that he's going to be fighting with ice time for. So I'm going to do a bit of a pivot just because we talked about D and I'm thinking, and, and it's Ottawa playing Toronto tonight. So Nikita Zaitsev. Okay. Brought over here, Lou Lamarillo gives him like a uh, almost like an Adam Larson contract, like he did in New Jersey, right? The seven-year deal, kind of. He's not going to be an all-star, but he's going to be a solid NHLer. Then he gets traded. I mean, seven, whatever number of years later, like, well, did he get hurt or what? Like, what happened from a guy that was a decent NHL defenseman, which you think could have been in your core four or five years ago, to just being a non-factor now? When you're when you're a defensive defenseman. And you play a lot more in your own zone with like the Ottawa Senators, who are not as good of a hockey club as the new, as Toronto Maple Leafs are. You, you, you look a lot worse than you are when he was playing for Toronto. Uh, and I know it's because I played on some bad teams and I played on some good teams. You look pretty good when you're standing on the other team's offensive blue line. Uh, <laughs> then you go back and, and retrieve pucks, and oh, I get to pass it to Austin Matthews. I get to pass it to Mitch Marner. I got John Tavares versus all these young players on the Ottawa Senators. So it's it's way tougher to play. I, I remember my last year in, in Boston, guys. We were a really bad team, and it was tough because you're always playing in your own zone, and your game gets nitpicked. It gets torn apart. And I don't think Zaitsev's a terrible player, but he just – he's looked – it's it's tough to play in, in the system the Ottawa Senators have with the way they're built. And he's just – I think he's lost a step, too, guys. And – um He's never been a guy that's a great puck handler. And unfortunately, when you're playing in a little more system, a little more chaos, you're going to have to have the ability to to make a play where other times maybe you just throw it off the glass. So, no, he, he hasn't been good when he's played, guys. And it's it's happened not overnight, but in, in the Canadian market, too, the, the fans have been really on him, too. So um, I don't know if that gets back to him or if that gets in his head, but 
he's, uh, you know, especially early on in the year, he had a really tough goal. We're talking to Jason York, co-host of Coming In Hot Sense podcast. Hey, Yorkie, when, when you look at the challenges of the blue line, it certainly didn't help that uh, when they traded Mark Stone to Vegas, and at the time, Mark Stone was regarded as one of the best 200-foot players in the game. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the centerpiece around that was Eric Brandstrom. And, like... You don't even know his name, Kipper. (laughs) That's how good of a player he is. (laughs) Don't be mean. That's my job. That is a huge miss. Well, not only that, Kipper, when he made the trade, he said this is going to turn into the greatest trade the Ottawa Senators have ever made. And he said that Branstrom has the ability to be an Eric Carlson. And he's on the record of saying all these things. Like, if you're going to say those things, you better be right. Um, And, again, he's a – I believe, especially with defensemen, circumstances dictate a lot of how you're going to play as a player. He's a type of guy that needs to be on the power play because of the way Jake Sanderson's come in. He's pushed the door down here. He's broke the door down for the Ottawa Senators. He's now the guy on that second power play unit. He's playing all these minutes. Branstrom's now playing 12, 13 minutes a night. Um, and that's really tough to, to go out there. And, and, and especially if you're a puck mover and offensive guy to really do anything. So he doesn't have any points. He's not on the power play. He's now killing penalties. He's totally missed cast in the type of role he has in Ottawa. Can he go to another team and maybe be that power play guy? I don't know. To me, guys, he's more of a tweener. It's, it is a miss so far. He is still young. I think he's only 23, but he's also a real small too, Kipper. Yeah. He's about five foot nine, uses a really tiny stick. And I know what type of defenseman the DJ likes. He likes big guys, long bodies and, you can just tell the way how he employs Branstrom that he's not a fan of, doesn't trust him. So big miss. Um, but uh, when, when Eugene Melnick was alive and this team was being run uh, under his watch, a lot of moves were being made, not with the intention of rebuilding. It was more like, get rid of this guy. He's making too much money or get rid of that guy. So the Ottawa center is unfortunately, uh, this is really the first year where they're starting to rebuild. But um, no, I agree. the the Brandstrom The Brandstrom trade um, is a is a is a horrible miss. Yeah, I mean, one of three first round picks of Vegas in the first year, but he was not Nick Suzuki, of course, who went in the Max Pacioretty yeah. trade to Montreal for sure. So, you know, you, you mentioned Eugene Melnick, and uh, before he passed, even uh, I I just found because here, Toronto is a great example about doing things right. The little things become the big things. I mean, Daniel Alfredson, here's a guy that was on the front office and then was disconnected with the team and now now being honored and all those kinds of things about guys like Chris Phillips working for the team, being honored. You know, I, I don't know what they mean inside the dressing room to current players, Jason, but I think they're I just think they're really important. Boston's a great example, right? Montreal's a great example about that. And I, I, I've just been really pleased the last, say, two years to see that be a priority in Ottawa rather than bitter taste after bitter taste after bitter taste. Gorg, you hit the nail on the head. I was at, uh, I'll give you another example of what you're talking about. Wade Redden was uh, appointed into the ring of honor. Uh, We had a ton of alumni come in for that game and 
DJ, people can say what they want about DJ Smith, good coach, bad coach. DJ went to the players on that team because I want all you guys to make sure you go up after the game and shake Wade, Wade, Wade Redden's hand. I saw guys coming up and they were sitting with us. They were having a drink with the alumni and there was a connection that, that former player, current player. And it was great to see. And that was the first time our alumni really done something like that, but it was a great step and, and kind of, it's great for the brand. Let's why teams like Toronto teams like Montreal. I know there's a lot more history. There's more winning, but you gotta, that's how you, that's how you keep a generation of fans. And I really believe maybe the last five to eight years, the senators lost, they lost a, a small little gap of the generation of the fans that were coming to hockey games. And I'll give Pierre Dorian and his staff and, and, um, the whole organization kudos because they've really stepped it up in that department. Uh, they're going to retire Chris Neal's Jersey in February, Chris Phillips. And, you know, it's just, you, you got to start embracing that history. And I think they've done an excellent job of doing that so far in the last couple of years. Gord, you're exactly right. And you know, Yorkie, you're not that far off now, whether it's Ann Lauer, who's been rumored to buy the senators, or if there's going to be another billionaire come in, the rink's going to get built, and they will, like, speak of doing things that you just spoke of tenfold. It's coming. There's no question. There'll always be a challenge for that market to drive some revenue dollars. They don't get to write off boxes there, you know, with, with you know, the, the, the government or, or that sort of thing. Uh, that'll be a yeah. challenge, but whoever's coming in will take this organization completely to another level. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Hundred percent agree with you, Kipper. Um, and and also too, uh, one of the things just I didn't mention, Alfredson's been around a lot more, guys. He's going into the rink and he's going in. He skated a few times. They're 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 putting out an olive branch to get him back in the fold. And probably smart too with new ownership coming in. You you, you want to make sure you're tight with Daniel Alfredson, so because <laughs> well, Alfie's going to get a seat at the table. Whoever buys this team, uh, if you're smart and smart people usually have money and they'll, they'll bring him in the fold. And that'll be another really big step. And, and bring back a lot of that fan base uh, that, that, Hey, when I used to play for the team, it was sold out every single night. You go back to the year they went to the Stanley cup final against Anaheim. It, 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 that rink used to be rocking. There is a fan base in Ottawa. Unfortunately, like I mentioned, it just went lost the last little while, but um, I agree, Kipper. Um, if it's Andlauer, if wh- wh- whichever group gets it, they are gonna. It's they're gonna spare no expense to make sure this franchise gets back to the days when it was a sold out building. New Yorkie, uh, Ottawa's not gonna make the playoffs, but I can't believe a uh, a team with uh, Brady Kachuk in it tonight uh, is gonna lay down uh, not only for the Leafs but uh, for other clubs. Uh, uh, it should be a fun game tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Kachuk, that kid's uh, he's a chip off the old block, Kipper. I remember uh, you remember playing against Keith. He wasn't fun to play against, and uh, Brady's the same way. He's gonna when that when Ottawa eventually does get into the playoffs, he's gonna be his game is tailor made for a best of seven series. Oof. So it should be a fun one tonight. All right, pal. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, take care, fellas. Jason York, former National Hockey Leaguer, close to eight hundred games. Solid citizen out there. Solid, solid. You know, I was just looking up uh, um, Greg's dad, Mark Greg. You know, who was well a Leaf briefly, fifteenth overall. Line made of mine. Was he taken right after Brad May and just before Marty Brodeur and Keith Kachuk? Just talking about. I mean, we always revisit I was with drafts him in Hartford. Were you? Yeah. Okay, so and he just 
Paul Holmgren always just made him so nervous. It was oh. so much fun to watch. Because <laughs> he, he only like a, had 145 games or so. He played in Europe later yeah. on that. But Talented yeah. kid. Yeah. Could shoot the puck. So was his kid. And a great kid as well. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. As promised, Doug McLean. Off the rails. Off the rails with Gord Stelic, Nick Kiprios. Off Plenty more. Wherever you are watching and listening, we're glad you're aboard. After these words, Doug McLean. More Leafs, more Raptors, more Blue Jays. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. You said so, so repeat again, because it wasn't I on. I said Nick Kiprios and Gord Stalick in for Justin Bourne and doing a terrific job so far. Yeah. Okay, good. You, you, <laughs> and I, you, and you said, what do you mean so far? And I said, well, you could, you, you could blow it. In the- no, you said so far doing, or, which made it seem like, okay, I'm not too sure the rest of the journey. You're pulling, like we're going to talk later, you're pulling a Jim Rutherford on me. You're going, he's doing well, but I'm not happy with training camp, <laughs> right? That's what you're doing now. I'm going, what the hell? I did as well as I can for 45 minutes. See, it's, it, it may be going off the rails already, and we haven't even brought in our next guest. <laughs> I'm going to go for a coffee. Anybody want anything? The one, the only on Fridays, Doug McClain. Hey, listen, that's what you did for Ballard. Get him coffee. Why wouldn't you do it for me? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, well, actually, I got him coffee. I got... Punch him like coffee. I got anybody coffee. Would have got you coffee even, Doug. Don't laugh. I got Brian Murray the odd coffee too, and I I would have got Scotty Bowman when I was working with him, but he didn't know who I was. <laughs> he probably fired you uh, before you could. Hey, the great the, the greatest Scotty Bowman story ever. I got to tell it. So Scotty calls me aside. He's a, he's a new head coach, and I'm assistant GM, and he calls me aside in the hallway. He didn't really know who I was, but he said, "Hey, hey." Uh, Illich's Tigers are having trouble there. They're really having trouble. They don't have a right-hand pitcher. And I said, yeah, I guess so. I don't follow him that close guy. He said, well, you know, tell next time you're talking to Illich, tell him that he should sell Iserman and buy a right-hand pitcher for the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Scotty, don't you think we should keep Stevie here for now? <laughs> I thought that was a great story. Boy. <laughs> anyway, buy my book. Yeah, I think history will prove that. and uh, correct that uh, uh, it worked out well for uh, the Detroit Red Wings keeping him. Hard to believe, though, Steve, you think about all these young kids with the Leafs. Stevie Y was in his 14th year of his career when he won his first cup. So, Hard okay. to believe. Eh? Yeah, so, Doug, I know okay. when you were there, not to, there. I have to do, what do you have to do? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask how... I, I, how close was Steve Eiserman to leaving, to possibly going to Ottawa? There was these kind of rumors before they won the first cup. Was there any bite to that? There was, there was well, the one time, he, that, was, that was late. I was just leaving then, and that happened just after I left that he was, you know, there was rumors of going to Ottawa. The one deal that I was there for 
was Iserman to the Islanders for LaFontaine. And I went, Brian told me, I went to bed, tell me the deal was done. It's going to be announced in the morning. I go to bed thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be a busy day tomorrow. I get up the next morning, went into the rink, never heard another word about it. <laughs> Something <laughs> happened between midnight and 9 o'clock when I got to the rink, and I never heard another word about it. I just took for granted he was gone. Maybe the backlash on Twitter was really bad and they <laughs> pulled the plug back then. Twitter. So listen, you guys, I'm so disappointed uh, Jason Bourne isn't on with us today. Justin. Or Justin Bourne isn't <laughs> on with us today. So I read his article. I read his article today, and he's got F1 and F2 are really unbelievable. In the eight, your F1, F2 of your eight players. So I'm trying to figure out what the hell is this guy talking about? Then I figured out it's the top eight guys, okay? So I think today could go down as one of the monumental days in Maple Leaf history because of this article that Bourne wrote. Because Nick and I, for four or five years, have been talking that they're not good enough in their bottom six. And obviously... Dubas didn't understand what we were talking about. But when he sees it on a graph like Borny had, he will understand. That's the new age. I, he, I know. I think it being on the graph will finally get through to Dubas. So I think it could be monumental, this article. If, if long, We've got to get it in, in Kyle's hands. We've got to get it in Kyle's hands. What about uh, the loss of Austin Matthews monumental uh, the next uh, well, three games? Matter. That won't matter. It won't matter because... It's the bottom six of the Kraken that have got them in first place, according to that article. So Austin doesn't matter. Well, you know what I did for you when I in Washington, me, Al May, and Rob Murray, or Robin Bowow. I mean, come on. You know how important we are. That's right. I had a guy send me an article on my first ever pro hockey win. It was the Skipjack's first win against Rochester Americans at home at the Baltimore Civic Center. And Doug Wickenheiser... The late Doug Wickenheiser had three or four points in the game. I don't know if you – I think your name was mentioned as an assist or something. <laughs> you think uh, you think Sheldon's okay with uh, Austin uh, taking three days off, having eight uh, off days after Wednesday against Boston and uh, getting them ready for, for the playoffs healthy? Is, or would you well, – three be, weeks off, right? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's huge. Uh, it really is a monumental loss. But but you know what? The, the good thing is, it, did he see the game last night between Boston and Tampa? Sheldon, did he watch I'm that? I'm sure he's probably someone mentioned to them that uh, you, those two teams you may have to play to, uh, oh, to advance. Because watching that, you know, I look at that game last night and you say, okay, just a minute. Vasilevsky, 9.54 save percentage in the game against a, against the best team in the NHL, nine, five, four save percentage headman, 27 plus minutes and scores a goal. Uh, Sergachev, 24 and a half minutes played a hell of a game. Then you go to Kucherov who plays 22 minutes and three assists. Then you go to Hagel who they pick up in an unbelievable trade and he scores his 19th goal of the season. I it just it make it would make you nervous when you watched that game last night. That was a, a Stanley Cup playoff style game. The you Leafs know, have hung in there all year, have played really well against those teams. That last night was 
as good as it gets. And isn't it that that's, you know, how many of those games do we see without the foolishness of this circle around here and circle around there? Don't touch anybody. Get out of the way. Don't get hit with a puck. Last night, it was serious. I loved it. You know, if you had a graph to match those stats, you could you could work again full time. <laughs> and here's another. Did I tell you the Hagel deal, the rationale behind the Hagel deal? I just want to tell you the, the brilliance of Tampa Bay Lightning on the Hagel deal, okay? Okay. So they give up they give up two first round picks and two prospects to get Hagel, and everybody laughed at the deal. Everybody thought they were crazy. Okay. So then you go back and you say, okay, what was the rationale? First of all, the two prospects they gave up will probably never play. Radish and somebody else. I mean, they're they're borderline 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 guy. No, the radish they gave up to Chicago borderline guys. Okay. And the two first round picks are going to be 28 to 32 in all likelihood in that range. So they're really closer to second round picks. Okay. So in Hagel, they get a guy that they know they can, that'll play in their top six, top nine for sure. But the critical thing is he's on a three-year deal at 1.5 million. And what the deal is, is he fits into their top six or their top nine for sure at 1.5 million. That's the critical part of the entire deal right there. Not what they gave up, but what his salary cap hit is for a team that has got a three-year window to win, and then they have to start over. I thought it was a brilliant move, and he gets his 19th last night. So, okay, on the Toronto... That's cap management, boys, right there. Yeah, no no argument about it. Nor So, on the Toronto Maple Leaf front, trade deadline then, okay, you're not going to get... Kucherov, you're not going to get Hedman, but I mean, you mentioned Hagel, you mentioned there's Nick Paul, there of course was Coleman and, and Goodrow a few years ago yeah. that Tampa Bay acquired. Yeah. The Leafs went bigger than they should have for an injured at the time, unfortunately, Nick Felino a couple of years ago. So what what do they need to prioritize on what, I mean, cap-wise, they're, they're like a lot of teams, they're not going to get, a, I don't think they'll get a Hagel bargain that way, but what do they need to prioritize on cutting down the trade deadline, Doug? Well, you know the the, you know they. I don't think their blue line's good enough. Jay, uh, Justin Bourne thinks they need a number eight forward. So you know, I mean, uh, you know, you got to go with a number eight forward or or top four D. You know, seriously, they need help in their bottom six. They've needed it for four years. They need a real player there. They've been better this year. They still need a little help, and they still need another D. Um, I. Look, I, I talked to an NHL coach this week, and I said, what do you think? Toronto is really good, really talented, well-coached, but I don't see them getting by Tampa Bay or Boston for sure. So I don't know. I, I mean, look, I like the way they've played for the most part this year. I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for the way they've played, the way they've competed. Their goaltending has been good for the most part, very good at times. Samsonov has been really the better. I guess Murray had a great run earlier. but So, look, it's going to be a hell of a series. But it just bothered me last night how, how zoned in Tampa Bay was in a game against the best team in the NHL. It was a, a show-me game is what it was. The Leafs have had a few of them against those teams and have fared really well. So, you know, the deadline for Boston is going to be real important. 
the Tampa Bay Lightning won't do a whole lot. They're not going to do anything fancy. They've made their moves, and now they're sort of locked in. So I don't expect a big move from them. And it's going to be up to Toronto what they can what they can do to make a, the right move. And hopefully it'll work. We're watching uh, the development of uh, a guy like uh, Timothy Lilligren, who's played like 20-plus minutes, I think, in six of the last seven games. I mean, he's logged a ton here, and – his his poise and his development has is, is gone to another level, but then there are some struggles. And I know, Mac, I've talked to you about Morgan Riley a, a lot over the years, and, and you are a fan. You like him. But, I mean, when you watch what a guy like Hedman did last night and and others, and I get he's not Hedman. I get it. But he still has to be – he still has to have that presence on the back end for the Toronto Maple Leafs, does he not? Yeah, look, Lilgram's been a great story, and, you know, he makes a couple big plays the other night, and he's really come along, no denying that. But, you know, when you watch what a headman does in these critical games, now Hedman's got miles on him now. I'll tell you the interesting thing when I look at Boston, just to stray away for a minute, but talk about the same thing you're talking about, Hampus Lindholm. I thought it was the best pickup at the trade deadline last year, this guy they picked up from Anaheim. It didn't turn out for them last year. Now, all of a sudden, you go McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo. It's a different look back there. That type of pickup was a, was a great pickup for the Boston Bruins. Now, does it work this year for them? It certainly has all season. He's been real good. That type of pickup can have an impact in the playoffs. So we'll see what Kyle can come up with. They're not easy deals to do. I, I, you know, I feel for them, but... Your point on Lilligrand is well taken. This kid has been really, really good, as as their blue line has been. Giordano's been good. They've all been pretty good. You know, it, Morgan Riley goes down, and they, they're better. Morgan comes back. He's still okay. He's good. He's just hasn't got to the level. If he was as good a skater as Virtue, he would be a friggin' star. <laughs> Teresa. Is that her Tessa, name? Tessa, <laughs> Tessa Virtue, for people that are wondering who on the Leaf team is named Virtue. Yes. Uh, yeah, oh, you're yeah. horrible. <laughs> you're just so... You're brutal. <laughs> He's... I'm kidding. Tell yeah. Morgan I'm joking. I really like him, and I really like her. She was a great skater. Yeah. Hey, so the Hampus... I was in, by the way, oh, I was in Joe Lewis Arena. I was in Joe Lewis Arena... Just getting ready for our morning skate when, you know, the Zamboni driver, what was his name that used to throw the octopus? Al something. Al Sabaka comes <laughs> running in the coach room. Quick, quick, they just clubbed a figure skater over here. <laughs> Remember the girl club? What's her name? Yeah, na- well, uh, yeah. Nancy Kerrigan got clubbed by uh, Tanya Harding. Yeah, Nancy Kerrigan got clubbed. On my watch. It was Cobo Hall next that? door. It was Cobo Hall right I, next I'm door. So, I'm so glad yeah. you're here today. Yeah. I wouldn't know what the hell he's been yeah. talking about yeah, the last was... three minutes. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, where anyway. Doug, that's where Doug McClain got the line, why me? Why? Why me? Right, Doug? <laughs> I used that when I got fired a couple months later. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, uh, I wrote a, an article today, uh, or today earlier this week on Thursday, it came out on uh, the whole thing with Bruce Boudreaux. Gord read it. He says to me, I read did, "Did you really write this?" It. Yeah, like, no, it's well written. Did, well, I didn't mean did that you way. really write this? Yeah, no, no, I meant you're your... a little. You're, <laughs> you're a little like me. You have a ghostwriter. Obviously, you have a ghostwriter. 
So um, uh, it was a great article. So can can uh, can a couple of wins just settle this thing right down? Uh, you go first, Doug, and then I want to hear from Gord. In in, in Vancouver. 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 Can a couple of wins can can talk get this thing going? Where no, this no, is... it can't. It, well, I hope it does for talk its sake, but it can't. It can't settle things down because you've got this Horvat thing looming now. You know, somebody just said to me this week, Jimmy Rutherford considers Horvat a third line center. Well, obviously, he must have had really good one two guys in his in his career, and I know he has with you know Malkin and Crosby and so on, but. I just don't know how anything settles down till they either make an amazing deal for Horvat or they get him signed. I, I just can't imagine it settling down. I mean, they were so bad the other night against Seattle. It was absolutely Mac, embarrassing. Go ahead, Gord. Well, and they play home against Columbus tonight. Their, their fans will be saying, Bruce, there it is, not the Seattle fans. I mean, this kind of game, they better not lay an egg at home. I I like I like talking. I remember you had him here once on radio. What ten years yes. ago? We went out for a bite after, and just uh, I, I'm yeah, I'm big yeah. on him. You, you get a few wins, the fans will start to come around. But it's just you know what I don't get, Doug and Kipper is I got all the respect. Jim Rutherford's a Hall of Famer, and I got respect what he did in Pittsburgh and Carolina. But Kippy's article to the point that he wrote it, you know, and with the Harold Ballard documentary coming up, it's a coming out. It's a 2023 version of of what he did to Roger Nielsen. That just you know, it's like yeah, it was. Well, he started, have, yeah. So, 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 he, but he's, he, I'm just thinking, like they had a good season at the end last year. Maybe Jim understood there's a lot of things that had still to be done, but you don't bleep on your coach at training camp and already publicly say, "I didn't like training camp. We got no structure. We whatever." I, I, I'm really puzzled by a guy that but, didn't make those kind of moves before, Doug. Not only that, not only that, it. The comment at his press conference the week before he was fired saying, yeah, I've been talking to other candidates about the job. Yeah, I've I've had conversations with other people. I've never heard that in my life, ever said by a general manager when the coaches. I know guys do it behind people's back. I know that. But I've never heard a guy say it right at a press conference. Yeah, I've been talking to other people about the job. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Did I just hear that? But. You know, I, I mean, the Vancouver fans are so upset. I mean, it, it reminds me when I went into into Vancouver with Columbus, and I phoned Berkey and asked him if he could get me a couple of tickets for my uh, for my brother. And you know, Columbus were coming into town. I was all excited. My brother's there, and I said, you know, he, he's got a couple of kids. And Berkey said, Doug, and this is the same thing Jimmy would be saying if you phone him for a ticket. Today. He said, Doug, despite how popular you think Columbus are. I could give you all your brother an entire section for the game tonight. (laughs) So that's what Jimmy's saying to people that are looking for tickets. By the way, I am looking for a single ticket for the skills competition for the all-star game. Is there anybody, you know, that I could get a single ticket for, for the skills competition? Are they, are they typically hard to get? who, Who wants to go by themselves? Like who? Who, well, got, who, who wants uh, to go a by? Weird, like, I, a weird guy I played golf with asked me if I get him a single <laughs> ticket to the skills competition. I said, "You're not kidding. You're not serious." He said, "Yeah, I'm serious." I said, "Oh, okay." But I had a great friend, a guy by the name of Doug Sifu, who was the minority owner there, and yeah. I think they fired him as minority owner. So I, I was going to call him, but I don't think he's around anymore. I think he got fired. Probably Maybe got still. Fired, so I don't know. He might. He might have got fired because he was like friends with you. <laughs> he wasn't friends, but anyway. Anyhow, so yeah, so it's tough around the NHL right now. But anyway, it's 
lots of things what? to look forward to. Now, look, the Jason is it Jason or Justin Priestley? I don't even know anymore. It's, it's Jason Priestley. <laughs> Yeah, Jason I was Priestley. Sit, I would, Jason or Justin, yeah, whatever your name Italian is. Italian restaurant, little Italian restaurant right around the corner from the Rogers that we used to go to. A great little Italian place. The friends of yours, Nick. The kids were hockey players. Anyway, I remember sitting at the bar one night and the guy having a glass of wine. The guy said, "Hey, uh, Doug, nice, uh, good to see you here." And I said, "Oh yeah, do I know you?" And he said, uh, "Yeah, I'm uh, Jason Priestley." So we had a nice talk. I guess he was in some famous show or something, 911 or something. Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> yeah. Don't call 911 when you're looking for Jason Priestley. <laughs> anyway, he seemed like a nice guy. I'm really excited to watch that ballad thing. I really am, to be quite honest. So, it, you know, you know I, what? I, uh, I did watch it, yeah. and I'm like, I had to stop and pause because in it is Alan Eagleson. Yeah, and I like no. He hasn't. There's been no Alan Eagleson sightings forever. Well, I know, I know, but he knew a lot, like he knows a lot about the story. You know, I I know whatever you may oh. think about it's about the whole. Like, I, I, the, they were partners for the Summit Series in 1972 on the TV rights. Him and they made money on it. Him and Harold yeah. Ballard. They bought the. Uh, yeah, they told, sold the advertising. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing, Alan Eagleson. I walked into the Starbucks here in Delray a couple of years ago, and I'm I walk in, I'm. Going, the guy goes, "Hey, Mac!" And I turn around, and it's Al Eagleson sitting up in the coffee. So we had a great chat, and and this was before John Ziegler passed because he said, "John's uh, staying at my house this week." So it was uh, it was nice to, to have a chat. But anyway, <laughs> and the I'm, last like, time I've seen him. I'm, I'm right into the I'm right into the Harold Ballard uh, yeah. story, and then uh, as soon as I saw him <laughs> and I realized it was him, I'm like, "Hold on." Get to Harold later. Let's ask you a couple of questions yeah. right now. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> There's your next documentary. So, and Don Cherry's in it, too, which is great to see grapes. I think it would be amazing to watch. I really, really think it would be an amazing story to watch because I was such a Leaf fan in those days and, and you know, early days as a kid. And to watch, to watch him was, you know, his act was unbelievable. But anyway, it would be fun to see. They did a good job, Michael Geddes. You were right there. You were right. Were you in the show, Gord? Yeah. Were you in there anywhere? I'm. I'm in you it, were, right? and my brother yep. Bob's in it quite a bit. Because. Uh, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was good. Well, I mean, to your point, for one minute about coffee. So Harold Bowder lived in Maple Leaf Gardens, okay, twenty four seven. So he was there. His, his his office was his apartment. Some nights he probably was the only person in the building. Like there was not a night yeah. watchman or something. So I I got ahead in all serious about getting coffee in that that. I knew he was an early riser. So I would get a co- I'd come like eight in the morning, which was early for hockey offices back then, and get my coffee and muffin from Kelly's Muffin, it was a little place at Carlton and Young. I'd get my Toronto Sun, yeah. and I'd sit in my office, and I'd look. And so his phone line would be back and forth with switchboard. So then I would answer and just, you know, screen the call like the administrative, the secretary would do later on. But I'd answer and uh, go, okay. And then I'd push the intercom. Hey, Mr. Ballard, it's uh, Nick Kirprios is on the line. They go, Gordy, you're in? And I go, yep, yeah. I hang up. And then about five minutes later, he'd come out in his house coat and he'd sit in my office. And it was the nicest time when he chatted, right? So so he, so he, I did that to make him think, even though I was just reading the Toronto Sun for about 90 minutes and having three muffins and coffee. And, and would you get the Herald, like, act or would you just get uh, a normal conversation? Great conversations. But as I, as I gained in notoriety, you'd have a great conversation. And then you look at the Toronto Star, Stella could be out, as GM Ballard says. Like, <laughs> you just had a nice conversation. Like, <laughs> but I'm going to keep him around to get me coffee. Well, that's right. Yeah, I got to work on the show. I got to work on the hot stove after as a busboy. 
Well, listen. Um, That's great stuff. That's uh, great you're, stuff. You know, forget about your weird friend. You're you're all set for your uh, your four tickets, your six tickets. It's a whole family thing. Uh, all Star Weekend for the McLeans. No, I just want one ticket from my buddy for the skills competition. I'm not going to the game. Are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, I, like seriously, is a, that might be the last thing I'd want to do. I why I could I can't even watch them on TV. They're so bad. Like seriously. Those little they still have the little mini games. Are they still doing that? Yeah, three on three. I, I don't know. I appreciate the promo oh. given. I'm doing color commentary with Steve Coolius for the first time there, Doug. Did you not? Uh, Gord's oh, calling the game. God. Yeah, and the skills. Oh, is, really? Yeah, yeah. Are you going to be on the ice uh, skating during the skills competition like they used to be? Yeah, no, no. I'm not going to be doing that. I'm going to be in a so booth with uh, Steve Coolius. No, Scott Lockham will be at the bench. Is, is it true that alligators wow. are involved? I, I don't know about the skills, about that. I think it's going to be on the fan. The they haven't told you? You're calling so, it? They haven't told you yet? I've got to keep it quiet. Can you try to get me a ticket? I was going to phone. Who's the guy who just got <laughs> fired at Sportsnet? What's his name? Uh they use my, he's the guy that fired me who I never met. What was his name? Oh, well, I mean, she'd be Bart, a great Bart, content. Bart, uh, Bart. You're talking Bart, about Bart? Bart? Yeah. Yes. Bart. I was going to phone Bart and see if he could get me a skills ticket, but uh, somebody told me he's gone, and I'm like, geez, he's gone. I never met him before he fired me, and then I never met him, and he's fired. So I, I may never meet the guy in my life. Wait, I just got a text from him. He said, tell Doug McClain, give me the name, and it'll be a will call. Okay? So just give me the name and just tell the guy to go to will call. And he's going to have an alligator presented to you. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thanks. Go away. Hey, listen, guys, thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. I don't know. Did we mention anything hockey-related at all? Gord, you, you've lost my number, eh, Gord, for your show. I used to be on there regularly. <laughs> well, See you later, boys. See ya. <laughs> Doug McLean, former something of some organization. I don't even know. But I love listening to you when I'm on. <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah, you Google the term shrinking violet. There's not Doug. That's no. not Doug's. Uh, yeah. No. That's not Doug. So, uh, yeah. You- Heading to the All Star Game. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, we're uh, we're doing a fan NHL Network radio on, uh, and I believe the fan network's picking it up as well. So uh, I haven't. So anyway, I haven't been for a long, long time. So looking forward to it. Really okay, we're going to take a quick break. As promised, uh, Hall of Famer Mike Gartner uh, and the Washington Capitals coming in uh, on Sunday, which means Ovechkin, and we'll get his thoughts on that. Willie Nylander and what he thinks about uh, today's game. All after the break, you're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born with Stellectricity. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Nick Kiprios, Gord Stalick, and as promised, uh, Hall of Famer Mike Gartner joining us. Gartz, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Kipper. How are you doing? Good. We had a chance to connect uh, Wednesday night when the Rangers were in town. It was, it was great to see you. And, uh, you know, the, the best part for me was actually when we started talking about the current Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, especially Willie Nylander and, you know, Gartz you will uh, always be regarded as one of the best skaters we've ever seen in our game. Um, but it was quite interesting to hear your comments watching a guy like Willie Nylander. 
Well, we were. We were. Imagine two hockey guys sitting up in a box talking about hockey, Kipper. Can, yeah. can you, like, we got nothing better to do. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, you watch a guy like Willie, and um, I, I can appreciate, he. I would say he's very light on his skates. And he has got a change of direction like I've never seen. And I think my comment to you was, if I could stop up like Willie Nylander, I might have got an extra 100 goals if, if I could just put put the defenseman um, on notice that I could do that. And uh, But I couldn't. And it wasn't just a matter of sharpening my skate sharper. Uh, but, but Willie, when he's coming down, the defenseman has to be so cautious with him because when he does stop up, he creates a second, second and a half of separation that he can do something with the puck. And very few players that I've seen uh, have that kind of a, a stop-up capability. So it's really fun to watch a, a young player like that um, do that kind of stuff on the ice. When, when, you, when you played in your heyday, were you, were you so fast from uh, north to south that – you know, it, it was something that you didn't need to feel like you uh, needed to work on as much or it just didn't naturally progress to stop-ups and cut-ins. You were just that much faster than everyone else? It, it was almost like the type of game that I played. Like, I, I didn't want to stop-up. I figured if I had a head of steam going um, that I could challenge anybody and it's like, you just got to stop me because I'm going wide on you and, and every now and then you had to do something a little bit different. Um, but the game is different now. Like a lot of times they'll give you wide and, and you can take wide and, and it's tough to cut in at the net. It's tough to get those kind of plays, but to have that in your arsenal, like Willie has, for instance, it is a, uh, it's a nice tool to have as part of the uh, repertoire. Mike, were you faster than Kipper? Well, Kipper was pretty quick. I got to tell you. So Kipper played, uh, we played on three different teams together. Not, we didn't actually play in the, in the uh, Capitals together, but we played in Toronto and New York. And, uh, you know, Kipper was a great teammate, Gordy. You're being and, a great teammate now. So, yeah. yeah, no, he was a great teammate. And um, I was glad he was on my team because he always came to play. But but Kipper was surprising. He He was a surprisingly more skilled player than ever, anyone would give him credit for. So he could, he could, uh, he could score, he could skate and uh, he skated pretty quick. So every time, you know, you, you'd, you'd end up seeing a Mike Gartner on the ice or, you know, in, in Washington, it would be me and Alan May. And they just brought in Peter Bondra who had Mike Gartner elements to his game. Right. And that first practice, he's going a thousand miles an hour and, Alan May and I are like, well, let's just see how fast he is with an elbow to the chops. And we never <laughs> caught him to give him an elbow to the chops. It just, it just uh, never know. materialized. <laughs> Couldn't catch it's, him. It's amazing how you have to adjust. It's like, okay, I can beat that guy, but I know he's going to try to whack me on the side of the uh, side of the arm, grab me, and uh, otherwise try to mug me out there. So it just makes you get even faster. It is amazing, though, uh, Mike, when you – when you look down rosters today and there's a lot more skaters like you and Willie than there were in our day when you got to the bottom six. Like no question. I mean, look at even the Leafs bottom six, you get, uh, you get a guy like who maybe is the fastest guy on, on, on their team with Engvall. Um, that's a, that he's a great skater. He is. He, he's not in your top six forwards. And, a lot of teams have those kind of players. There's not much of a 
of a drop-off from the standpoint of what players can do top six versus bottom six. You got to mix in a, you know, a little bit of uh, spice in there for sure. But from a pure speed and skill standpoint, those there's, there's a lot of guys that, uh, that are playing in the national hockey league that have that kind of skill and that kind of speed. So, Mike, when you're, you know, you, you're talking skating, it'd be like an excellent hitter talking hitting or a pitcher talking pitching or a quarterback passing. So you got that. You've got that cachet and street cred. So we talk about Nylander, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, like, I mean, three phenomenal skaters on this team. So you, 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 you gave us the skinny on Nylander. What about those two guys as excellent skaters? What, what, what makes them from your point of view? Well, I mean, they're not a, it's not like you're flat out skating because you don't have to do that as much anymore, but it's the ability to skate at a high level, like, like Marner's and Matthew can do um, while keeping possession of the puck and, uh, and stick handling with it and making great moves with it. it. It's the ability to do that at a high speed really is a separating factor. You see it with a Connor McDavid and what he can do at high speed. It's like, uh, you know, that's, were you as fast as Connor McDavid? I said, well, you know, maybe I was, but I, not a chance in the world. I was as fast as him with the puck. The puck slows everybody down, but you get your, your top players like a Marner and a, and a Matthews. Now the puck doesn't slow them down. And, and that's a, that's a huge uh, advantage. Well, when you watch a, a Connor McDavid, that's another one um, that you add to those edges as well. That uh, you, you just must marvel. Like, I mean, not so much as, as much as us because we never got to your level. But it's uh, watching what Connor's doing out on, on the ice is truly spectacular, isn't it? Well, it is, and I and I had the pleasure of watch Connor. You know, grew up kind of playing uh, at NTR, which is our hockey rink that West Jarvis and I up and own up in Newmarket. And saw him playing uh, at different times, watched him come out and do a charity hockey game when he was 15 years old in Barrie for our hockey night in Barrie that we had. Watched his development uh, as a young man and, you know, terrific family, terrific young man. And then Gary Roberts has a, uh, his training facility at our, uh, one of our rinks in Richmond Hill. And so I see Connor in the summer sometime. And it's not a surprise. He has a, he's a tremendous amount of natural ability but he actually works harder than anybody else. And so why is he so great? It's, it's because he, he has that whole package and he works hard. And so when you have that kind of combination, you see what he can do. And it, it, is, uh, it really is so much fun to watch uh, guys that take their craft extremely seriously like he does and guys that put the time in to be not just good players and really good players, but great players. And it, it is a lot of fun. There's a lot of guys like that in the league right now. It's, it's a fun league to watch that way. So in some ways, I know it's different eras, but the Toronto Maple Leafs are kind of like your Washington Capitals, that you know they couldn't have the kind of playoff success that they had in the regular season. And in the Capitals case, I know David Poyle cited goaltending was a big factor, they believe, back then. So I'm curious about, you know, is there a way you can gauge in the regular season that you're better prepared for the playoffs if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs? It's, it's, it's a tough one, Gordy, because um, we had some great teams back with the Washington Capitals. We would finish third, fourth, fifth overall, but unfortunately we'd be playing in a, in a division where either a Philadelphia or New York Islanders were finishing first or second overall, and very much like the Leafs of today, right? They have 
they have Tampa Bay, who's, who's winning Stanley Cups. They have the Boston Bruins, which they don't seem like they're going to lose a hockey game. And it's, it's a tough, tough division to get out of. But it also will make it so sweet because, uh, I don't know about you guys, I, I like the Toronto Maple Leafs as far as their team goes. I, I, I do like their team. And I think that they, they really just need some kind of a break. And maybe that break is a goaltender just almost stealing an opening round series. Um, maybe it's just a couple of key saves at the right time. Maybe it's a couple of key goals at the right time. But they just need a little bit of a, a break to get over that hump just to get through the first round and possibly the second round. They might find if they get that far that the last two rounds might be easier than the first two. We're talking to Mike Gardner, Hall of Famer, uh, an eighth all-time in goals with 708. Wasn't it just like almost yesterday that like Ovi passed you and, you know, are those moments when you just go, uh, damn. Yeah, I think it was about 100 goals ago in about three months. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we were talking about that the the other night too, uh, Kipper, and, like Ovi is like another, that's a different kind of machine right there, right? It, that is a scoring machine. Like where can he take this? Like you're, you're at 708 where he's at, uh, if I'm not uh, mistaken, 812. Like where do you see this thing finishing off? Well, I don't see it finishing off anytime soon. I really don't. Like you, you look at Ovi, there's a whole bunch of things we could talk about with Ovi, but, I think the one thing for me as a goal scorer that stands out the most is the volume of shots that he actually puts on net. And it does not happen by accident. I can tell you that right now. He has a a plan every year. Um, I had a plan every year. I wanted to get at least 300 shots on goal in the year. And I figured, you know, if I have a a very average 15% shooting percentage, that's 45 goals a year. So you look at a guy like Ovi, who is the, the highest, has the most shots of anybody ever in, in the National Hockey League history. And he gets about 4.7 shots per game, which works out to about 370 shots on average. He's had several years over 400 shots. And he's got a shooting percentage of about 12.9%, which actually isn't all that great. But it works out to 47 goals a year. And so... Even this year, he should be showing uh, slowing down at age 37. He's still fourth in the NHL right now in shots on goal. So as long as he can continue to stay healthy, which he has been, he's very durable. Uh, he's, his shot, there's nothing that has come off his shot as far as accuracy, quickness, release, velocity. Uh, there's really no reason why he can't keep scoring goals at this pace. Maybe not at the 47-goal pace, but maybe and maybe at the 35-goal pace or the 30-goal pace. But just do the math. Um, he's only got, he, he's signed a five-year contract. He's got three or four years left on that deal. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, and Wayne Gretzky, the one intangible is Ovi's a physical player, and he's got this ability, whatever the ability, to not get hurt. I mean, I mean that's huge to go through your whole career like that and hopefully still stay, he- still stay healthy. Yeah, it really is. And it's not necessarily like he's a big man, right? Like he's mm-hmm. six, six, three and weighs about 240 pounds. And um, sometimes that works against you. We've, uh, we've seen big guys that, that get hurt often. 
but he is one of those big guys that doesn't get hurt very often. And so that means he's just playing a lot of games. He's, he's, uh, he, it's not just a matter of playing the number of games so you're going to get more shots, you're going to get more goals. It's the matter, uh, the, the point of playing the games, not missing a stretch in the middle of the year where when you come back, you're, just, you're, you're not up to the same speed as everybody else. And uh, because when you do get hurt and when you have missed two or three, four weeks, five weeks in a row, um, it's tough to get back in. You're healthy, but you're, you're not in the same condition and playing condition as everybody else, no matter how hard you've worked. So that, that's obviously going to play a big factor with him as well. We see Austin Matthews down for three weeks. Uh, how about your career with, uh, on your way to over 700 goals? How, how were the injuries uh, any particular year you, you kind of regretted? No, I was fairly durable as well. And um, I, I think I had four or five seasons where I played all 82 games and didn't miss a lot of games. I really didn't miss a lot of games until – uh, the last uh, season that I played, I had some knee problems. But um, with anybody, and depending on the time of the year, when you miss a chunk of games, when you do come back, it is it is tougher to to get back in. It's a timing thing. It's a groove thing. It's a thinking thing out there. Um, it's kind of getting back into the grind of the travel and the practicing and everything else. And it does take a little while to to get yourself back up to where you need to be. So, you know, Mike, talking about the Hall of Fame, you're in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I, I'm trying to think how many years ago it was. It was this fun, kind of casual uh, surprise dinner for Ron Ellis, kind of retirement dinner. It was Pat Quinn's last appearance. We didn't really, you, you could tell at that point he wasn't, he was battling something and he passed a number of months later on, but just great, great memories that way. So Kippy mentioned Hockey Hall of Fame, but also you and Lanny, because I'm trying to like, uh, um, as far as your roles on the selection committee, what's what, just update me there. I remember the uh, ceremony back in November. You and Lanny are making sure everybody arrives and all that that's going on. And uh, what what the, what the deal is there right now? Yeah, so Lanny has been involved with the Hockey Hall of Fame for, for many years, is a Hockey Hall of Famer himself. And he is the chairman of the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I have been... Um, I have been on the Hockey Hall of Fame selection committee for the last 10 years and am the chairman of the committee for the last year. Uh, I took over for John Davidson in that role. And so, yeah, we have the pleasure, uh, as well as 17 other members, to do the annual selection for the, for the Hockey Hall of Fame. happens every June. And then we get to uh, have the fun job of calling all of the uh, – those players that have and builders that have been inducted in that class. And so that uh, I've really enjoyed that over the last year, just to last year was the first year that I did it. Um, and then Lanny is with me as well, making those calls. So that's how we serve with the hockey hall of fame. And it's uh, it's a, it's a great job. I can tell you that it is, but it's also incredibly challenging now as these modern day kind of heroes uh, are all, there's more of them because there's more, there's expansion over the years. And now we're at 32 teams. Garcia, I can only imagine what 17 people are exchanging uh, thoughts and ideas on who should be in and who should be out. I mean, I, I, I bet you there's some really, uh, you know, strong conversations going on there and beliefs and a lot of passion in those, uh, those conversations. Yeah, there without question there is, and it's uh, which is good because that's exactly how you want want to have it. Is you need to have those robust conversations, and you need to be uh, kind of rooting for the person that you're putting forward. 
there are 18 members and you have to get 14 votes. And if you don't get 14 votes, then, then that person doesn't get in. Um, but, you know, and, and we know it's a position we always get second guests, uh, either the guys that, that get in. And I say guys, I mean, the women, too, are obviously included in that category and those that don't. And we always say, listen, if they're a Hall of Famer, they'll eventually get in, which I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Although there's going to be a little bit of controversy every year. And I think that's probably a good thing. It kind of makes sure that that we're on our game and that we're taking everything into consideration and that the players and the builders that uh, that deserve to get in are going to get in. Is there anybody shilling for Doug McLean to get in as a builder? Is that true? I just, I think it's just, is it Kipper or is it you, Gordy? Are you guys, <laughs> is that who I keep getting those uh, anonymous emails from all the time? No, well, no, my, no, mine is about, since Gil Stein got removed, you got a spot there, S-T-E. Who else can you put in there, right, to get the symmetry back? So that's what I'm, that's why I'm pushing El Gordo. No, well, you know, it could be Gordo, it could be your brother, Bobby. That could be the first choice in the Stellick family, I'm not sure. I hadn't thought of that. Hey, uh, Gart, uh, Gord Stellick's. Uh, calling the all-star game, but he's also calling uh, the skills competition for uh, NHL serious. Yeah. NHL network radio. Serious yeah. XM. And yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering, I know at times it's probably uh, gotten a little goofy at times. The, uh, the skills competition, but the fastest skater, does that one always catch your eye every year? Because you would always have set that bar. I like it. I mean, it is fun, and they've kept it the same for uh, all those times. I think there was the only little controversy was a few years ago when Dylan Larkin started at the red line. and and uh, But other than that, it's fun to watch, and I was glad that my record was broken by, by Connor McDavid, and that uh, I, I really like it. It's, it's kind of fun to see, hey, is there somebody really fast that we don't know about? And We'll see if that uh, if that can happen again this year. What was your record time? Do you remember it? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's like thirteen point three seconds. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah, I, I I'd need a Gordon. I would need a calendar to time. But us. yeah, I know. But it's like his record stood like Bob Beeman in the long jump. You know, like normally <laughs> records get broken every year. Guards guards hung in there for quite a while. That's that's quite an accolade. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good, Bob Beeman. You might even have to explain who that was, Gordon. <laughs> he, was, uh, he, was, uh, he set the record in Mexico in 1968 for the long jump by about two feet. And nobody touched it for like 30 years. Because normally, oh, yeah. yeah, track and field records. So, so it is a compliment. If you're, when you look them up, it is a compliment. Trust I, me. I had the record on that track and field video game. Remember that one where you just tap <laughs> yeah, it, right. tap it really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Gartz, so appreciate your time, man, on the show today. It was awesome. Anytime. Anytime, guys. That was a lot of fun. All right. Mike Gardner, Hall of Famer. 700 yeah. goals. But that is a cool jo- like job. That's what I thought. Like, he's, they get to make, they're the two guys that get to make the calls. Regardless, you can debate who's in, who's not. Like, you and I, to make the calls, you're making, like, you're, it's the old thing, the publisher clearinghouse. When you knocked on the door, you've just won a million dollars or something to some random. You're calling someone, you're giving them as great a news, as great a professional news as they're going yeah. to get in their life. And then you got to weigh in individual accolades and championships. Oh, it's, and, in, in deciding, right? that's different. Deciding, I'm just saying to, yeah. make, to make the calls. Would yeah. Be, yeah, no, the behind the scenes, uh, yeah, there's, uh, and they're always willed. Hey, controversy is part of it because people are very passionate about their opinions, as they should be. All right, let's bring in Sammy McKee because it is Friday, which means that we'll do some maybe YouTube or text questions, eh, Sammy? Yeah, we will.
I just wanted to, uh, you guys were talking about this with Doug McClain before he started talking about God knows what, but the, <laughs> the Tampa and the Boston game last night, I, I watched a bit of it as well. And I know the whole time you're watching it, you're thinking about your beloved Leafs. I, yes, I was thinking about the Leafs. And I was thinking, how, if the Leafs, God forbid, want to go to a Stanley Cup final one day in my lifetime, they don't have to beat one of those teams. They have to beat both of those teams. And I, I know this isn't, this isn't a unique thing to the Toronto Maple Leafs. This isn't a, it's not like a, a you know, detriment to them. It's not a, a, a criticism of them. What team in the league could beat those two teams in a row in playoff series? Like, it's just, there's no, that division is a joke. The fact that we still are doing this, it's a joke. You want me to get them a tissue or you want well, to go? Well, okay, but it's, but first of all, okay, in the spilt milk category, Columbus and Montreal, okay? You had your chances Absolutely. for the easy path and you bleeped it away, okay? No, no doubt. Absolutely did. So here, if you're, t- and, and I do believe, I picked them to win the Stanley Cup this year, the Leafs. Okay, at the start on sportsnet.ca. I don't, I've never picked them before. Just, I got. You just, thought Johnny Bauer was still playing? Yeah, I, no, just, a, yeah, Father David Bauer, I thought too, whatever. With but Matt Murray and Samsonov, you thought that was going to be enough. I just enough. thought a gut feeling about if they win the first round, whew, everything is off their back. Like, wow, free at last, free at last. The, the town will be crazy. The pressure's gone, and you just can't, you ride a wave like St. Louis did four or five years ago. I think a team's going to do that. I, I think this is a year somebody new is going to ride that wave. Carolina, I don't know. Somebody. I just got that feeling. So anyway, why not be the Leafs? So that was it. That was it. Sam, does that help you, Sammy? The a little East, bit. The Eastern Conference is just so stacked, fellas. So if you happen to get through those two teams, then you got the Rangers potentially right waiting for you, who we saw the other night who look excellent. Carolina's one of the best teams in the league. But they all look excellent at that point. Well, yeah, I guess that's well, true. Well, they do. They you know, do. It's, it's a different situation, I guess, when you're going into the, the semifinals. People get hurt. They're playing at a different level. I understand that. It's just, it's, it's a daunting, daunting task to get through the Eastern Conference this year and years past and heading forward. Okay, a couple of years ago, you're a Montreal Canadian fan. How are you going to get through Toronto, Winnipeg, and Vegas? Well, to me, those are much less daunting teams well, in Tampa and Boston. Yeah, but... It probably didn't feel that way at the time, though. No, no. Weird stuff happens. Gelchenyuk and others make plays like you Ugh. can't believe. Winnipeg, Shifley runs a guy in the first game, gets suspended. Weird stuff. Vegas, it came to Marc-Andre Fleury's untimely giveaway, right? And then you look at some, when St. Louis won, uh, like, Biddington was phenomenal, but the Dallas series, they were they, they got fortunate bounces, right? You all of a sudden, you know, who knows? Who knows? When we... When, uh, we uh, Toronto Maple Police and the other teams get there. You don't have you don't have that feeling. Yeah, listen. Uh, as far as talent's concerned, and with how Michael Nylander has now emerged, uh, it's I, a it's a different. Willie? Sorry, I said Michael. Is it not Michael? Willie or Willie? Sorry, I'm thinking you of his, old, his dad. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm on uh, thinking of his dad. Yeah, teammate of mine in Hartford. Um, when you when you think of what, what Willie's been able to do, uh, it, it's really going to come down to. Uh, you know, in Tampa Bay in the first round, it's going to be Stamkos, Point, and Kucherov versus Willie and Matthews and Marner. And, yeah, I mean, a headman is a big deal back then, back there for Tampa. And the Leafs are going to have to do that because Morgan cannot match headman, but they're going to have to be able to do it by committee. The good news is that we've seen 
points of the regular season where they've been able to hold the fort mm-hmm. together collectively without anybody really stepping up and looking like an all-star or a superstar. And I don't know, is, is someone coming? I don't, I, I don't get that sense right now that uh, there's a, a, a chicken move. No, they're going to have to do it the way, well, I'm going, first of all, 93-94 when they had McCowan, Lefebvre, Ellett, Rouse, you know, that kind of defense by committee, or like the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup. Carlson's a nice defense, but yes. it was kind of a D by committee. Even Pittsburgh, Latang, but then a little bit more by committee. That that's that's what they're going that's how they're gonna to have to do it. But really, how much is playoffs that when they beat Ottawa all those years, Ottawa didn't have Vasilevsky. So you had Curtis Joseph and Ed Belfort, and goaltending was a huge factor beyond Gary Roberts and Darcy Tucker and all the toughness. But it just was and goaltending had let them down so many playoffs. Jack Campbell played well enough last year, but then Vasilevsky got going, right? But, yeah, you know, maybe like like as was it Gart said it, just a goaltender steals a yeah. series. Washington couldn't get that way back when. A goaltender steals a series. All right, speaking of Willie, the son of Michael. There we go. Barkov replaces Matthews at the All-Star game. That shouldn't have been Willie. I can't get too bent out of shape about it. I mean, maybe, maybe since Gordo's call on this, he can be a little bit more. Uh, where is the Where is the All Star game being played? It's being played in Florida, so they he's the hometown guy. They having trouble happens make- selling single tickets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's always trouble. So plenty of single tickets are available for Doug, but uh, I don't. I I doubt they're having trouble selling tickets. But the hometown guy Barkov, I think you know Willie Nylander deserves to be there uh, for sure. Um, your nose shouldn't be too much out of joint. About it. See, I remember, it's funny, Eddie Olchuk, he's never been to the All-Star game. And my brief time as general manager, before the All-Star game, Glenn Sather was the manager of the uh, of whatever team. I guess, I don't know. I guess, yeah, it was Wales versus Campbell. And he called, and he goes, I'm going to take Lehman or Olchuk. And he's asked, he goes, do any of them have a big bonus? Like, so we could avoid a big bonus being paid. Wow. Like, he asked. And I said, I think they both had 5K each or something. So I said, take whomever you want. So I kind of, so he took Lehman instead, Gary Lehman instead of Eddie Olchuk. I don't know if Eddie knows that. I didn't, what well, didn't, I didn't punk him, but you know, I thought, what, what, what seriously? Oh, you have to gonna, tell him that story. Going to save a penny or two. All I had to do is say, take Eddie. I could have said that. I didn't know, but I just was being honest. Whatever. It was up to him. You know, I like Gary too. I liked him. Flip a coin. Equally. Well, draws, draws. Just left it. Just left it with him. And I can, uh, and I remember at the end of the season, who was looking for, uh, who was the GM of the Team Canada team? And they weren't, <laughs> you think? World Championships? Yeah, World Championships. And he goes, so they, they thought they had Gary, and then it was in Russia. So, like, a, they said the worst thing was when it was in Russia back then, the guys didn't want to go. But I'm not sure it was Gary, but he said someone showed up, and they took the Team Canada luggage and all that stuff, and then they didn't, they didn't call back after that. You know, they had, a, like, whoever might be coming, but they got, they got their swag, and then, <laughs> and then, and then they did And didn't. then pulled the chute. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was one of our guys. I don't know which one kind of said, I'm not going to go to the Soviet Union or Russia. What if back then, you know? So might have been Cliff. I'm not sure. Oh, my goodness. No, Ferguson. It was John Ferguson, senior, senior. Okay. And he goes, can you put a whatever on a, uh, yeah, I shouldn't, I don't remember which guys it was exactly, but they got their beautiful Team Canada swag and then just didn't fall through. The little things, little what, things. What do you got for us, Sammy? Uh, what do we got here? This one I just love because I'm a junior hockey guy, so I've never actually asked you this question. So uh, John S. from YouTube uh, wrote in and said, what was Kipper's favorite junior barn to play in? Hmm. 
Oh, man, there was some nut barns. There was that old Hamilton one. Um, we played Hamilton Steelhawks. Right. Shane Corson. Uh, some meatheads on that yeah. team. But there was, <laughs> it was only like 1,700. It was uh, like on a, on a Hamilton Mountain or something. Yeah. I, 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 so is because then, then they, they went to cops and then cops yeah. was like lost. You were lost right in front of like you so know, Thursday night thousand people. Thursday night Channel Eleven used to do Hamilton Red Wing games, and that would be the barn you're playing. Yeah. In. And the thing is, the camera would go, and there still were posts there. So there were posts in the way. Yeah. If you remember about that, I'm trying yeah. to remember the name of the rink. Peter Bros was goofy corners like the odd. Remember the yeah. odds corners? Yeah, yeah, Buffalo yeah. Auditorium corners yeah. squared off. Squared people, off. Right? Yeah. Uh, Sault Ste. Marie was a nut show there too some nights. Man, that was like an NHL game there. Kitchener Rangers had a nice barn and yeah. still do the odd in Kitchener, which is at the time you think it's like almost like a mini Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah, exactly. So, like, like Hershey was yeah, kind of. Yeah. A lot of fun ones. What was your least favorite? Uh, it was a big thrill to go to Maple Leaf Gardens because I was a childhood yeah, my team was the Toronto Maple Leafs, so that was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm in the same building that Daryl Sittler and Lanny McDonald and all these guys play in. And then after a while, it's like, oh, my God, there's only, like, I can see my whole family in the corner, <laughs> and the whole building's empty, well, there, and it's there all were, quiet. Like, there were, like, borderline homeless people in ushers. <laughs> like, some games you sit there, like, what? Like, like, how come there's no people here? Like, <laughs> it was like... It was not... Yeah, I was... Once it wore off that it was Maple Leaf Garden, it's like, oh, my God. We get some people in here. Wasn't a big marketing department <laughs> back then. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so this is from uh, Irv Blitzer on YouTube. What's going on with Mason Marchment? He's the same amount of points as Kerfoot this year and one assist in his last 16 games. It's been crickets from you guys on him. I wonder why. Irv Blitzer, not pleased about our last. Say hi to his brother, Wolf. Yeah, still like him. Uh, but I think it's just maybe 82 games scored, uh, being now paid like a frontline guy, a top six guy. Uh, I'm sure it's still a learning curve for him. Jeez. New coach, um, team underperforming, even though Kachuk's doing great, right? Added. So yeah. When th- yeah. Cause uh, I'm surprised by that stat. I knew he'd gone a little bit cold, um, yeah, and maybe being, being used different ways by, by Paul Maurice. So I wish what, I had something better for uh, so, Wolf's brother. So the Leafs won the, uh, the Malgan trade is what we're saying here now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the they Leafs killed won, him on the, it. The Leafs won the Malgan trade. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. So, Adios, Dennis Mulligan, yes. So, Gordo, you're heading down to the rink tonight on Sportsnet 590, the fan? I am. Let me throw a junior question out to you. Oh, boy, here we I go. Just, no, just the last couple of days... Have you heard at all, because it's unthinkable generally, and I've got no a direct bite to it, that Shane Wright could be involved in a trade deadline deal? Like, could it be Bo Horvat from Vancouver? Could like like part of that? I, like, I don't. It'd be very unusual. Okay. Yeah, and you know why it'll be unusual? Because there's nothing that we've seen in the last few years out of Ronnie Francis, that he is that type of general manager. Well, anybody generally, really. You know, for well, the, the success has been great, mm-hmm. but they weren't, they had a horrible season last year and they weren't knee jerk. 
And I don't think there's going to be knee jerk based on the fact well, that they're no, having no, all this no, success. We, we talk, first of all, they got Maddie Beneers. Okay, here's yeah. their guy. Yeah. So I'm talking about a big trade. I'm talking a real trade. I know. Like a trade, trade, trade. I know, but do you really know for sure what you have out of Shane Wright right now? That you want to give up on him or you're well, yeah, just... No, you're not, when you make a real trade, you're not... Because also the team that's acquiring going, we get the rookie cap money for a couple of years. That's huge. There's a there's so many teams out there that are. So uh, what are you trading for? Like another twenty one year old? I don't. It, huge. I don't know. Uh, it would have a, to a be Bo a Horvat? big trade. A Bo well, Horvat for starters. Is that where you're going for starters, with this? If it's Vancouver, yeah. for starters, for starters, that okay? Because you're giving a guy at like making a million bucks a year cap wise. I don't know. Just it's just and I tell you, said it. John Bucigras as well said it. We're just chatting. So I said it's funny. I heard about that a couple of days ago. Yeah, just I don't heard. buy it for one second. It, I got could have no legs. Yeah. It just but since a couple people threw it out there, um, it, it this it, is this is where I I go back and I I get Vancouver, I get Jimmy Rutherford, I get the fan base going like we're gonna get a boatload for Bo Horvat, and it's like he's becoming unrestricted. Why would you get a boatload for Bo Horvat? So if I'm Seattle and I want I want Bo Horvat, I'm gonna give up Shane Wright in a package to get Bo Horvat? Why don't I just wait this summer and get him for free? Well, no, you'd be getting the package coming the other way would, would, would be my thinking if that had any bite to that particular kind of trade. So, so first, so, okay, Timo Meyer, Dylan Larkin, Bo Horvat, that, let's face it, even though they won't be honest, if uh, the GMs, if they're making those trades, they got to let the other team try to cut a deal, like Campus Lindholm last year, because then you're going to get more. You're still not going to get a boatload, boatload because he's he's gone at the end of the exactly. year. So, so so the point being is then you got to let the other team and, cut a deal. And I, if I'm Seattle, I'm doing this because I think I can win a Stanley Cup this year. I said Bo Horvat for starters. I have no idea. I'm just saying the name being out there. You could get a lot. Let's you know, no brainer in Seattle for this guy. Okay. That's all. I think Seattle's going to be very quiet this trade deadline. Really? I think they got a great opportunity. I think they got uh, a great opportunity. Ron Francis isn't the type of guy to... uh, Look at his history. He's barely made any trades. Well, yeah, but it's new in Seattle compared to Carolina. Like, I mean, there's there's an expectation yeah. now. Like, hey, you're Vegas. Like Vegas in year one, I you're know, doing that. But year he's two. not. He's not. He's. They're not acting like Vegas. Remember Vegas the last two years got a deal. I'm in all of them. Yeah, that's not Seattle. Well, Gordo, I got a question for you. Okay, from Donnie does dishes on YouTube. Okay, did Gord ever dog sit puck? For Harold Ballard. Uh, no, I never... Uh, T.C. Puck's the correct name. Ty Cat Puck. Ty Cat uh, Puck. Tommy did. Uh, Tommy was the dog walker. Yes. Yeah, but, 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 but... And it's common now in offices. A lot of offices, like Lisa takes our dog Blue uh, to uh, her office, and people have dogs there on certain days. So I've seen some offices that dogs are there all the time. So anyway, no, but but T.C. Puck would run around, and he was a big dog, a Bouvier, beautiful dog. But he he would roam freely in the office. That was cool. It was a nice dog. And Jerry McNamara uh, got um, one of uh, got a got one of TC Puck's litters as well. I don't know if TC Puck was the guy or the girl, but D- he also got a Bouvier. And um, somebody's following around the dog with a shovel, though. No, no, it wasn't like that. No, no, all very pleasant. But TC Puck was very respectful yeah. when it came to that doing his business. Uh, where outside in yeah. the parking lot? Probably, yeah. On, on college? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Um, <laughs> Kipper, just to go back, a little housekeeping. It was called a mountain arena. 
There yes. it is, Mountain yes. Arena. Yes, yes, Thank yes. you. And I mentioned the mountain. And it's now named after Dave Anderchuk. It's called Dave Anderchuk Mountain oh, Arena. Wow. There you wow. go. That's a big thrill for the Anderchuk. Norm Marshall family. did uh, play-by-play, Channel 11. Yeah, that is for And they talk about Tampa Bay Lightning. Dave Anderchuk front and center on the broadcast. They're marketing guy. Yeah. They're uh, they're Daryl Sittler kind of guy, right? So you got a big weekend uh, head, yeah. heading to Scotiabank tonight for Ottawa, and then Sunday is uh, Sunday's five o'clock. Five o'clock start. Yeah, it's five o'clock start right between the two big NFL games yeah, this weekend. Thanks, Leafs. Appreciate that. The, the the football games a little bit. Yeah, it's right in the middle. Yeah, if NFL but, thought about, but we want to plug the five o'clock. Sorry, I wonder final? if the NFL thought about canceling those games. They don't want to go up against Toronto, That's Washington. True. Good point. Cincinnati hey. Eagles in the Super Bowl. Oh, hey, awesome! You coming in? Yeah, and I like really appreciate I like your card and the and the betting thing. I'm oh, gonna, I've yeah. got uh, next rewards. You're gonna play this weekend? Yeah, yeah. No, hey, you you, you once, downloaded once you found my password and everything. Yeah. And downloaded for me. Thank Kipper you very much. Kipper nineteen gets you two hundred and fifty points. Next rewards. I got them already. Downloaded uh, okay. on your app and uh, and NHL hockey's coming in a couple of weeks. Perfect. Uh, our thanks to Gord Stellick, Mike Gartner, and Doug McLean today on Off the Rails Friday. Jason York. Jason York. This right. It's, it's been so long. I know. Ah, enjoy your weekend, everybody. We're back Monday. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.